Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. I am getting ready to have a conversation with Brian Bogert, and you need to strap on your seatbelt. Listen, Brian Bogert is a passionate performance coach, speaker, business strategist, top sales professional, and philanthropic leader who believes in helping growth-minded individuals achieve the best versions of themselves. Their most authentic selves, Brian teaches how to leverage radical authenticity and awareness to create the intentional life you have been dreaming of but have struggled to create. His revolutionary strategy embrace pain to avoid suffering, has helped individuals and companies break beyond their normal to achieve the success in life and business that they have always wanted. Listen, if you want to create a life of no limits, Brian and his team will get you there. (laughs) Didn't I tell you, you better strap on a seatbelt here. Brian, I'm so happy to have you. I feel like I'm on a ride after that introduction. That was great. (laughs) The energy you put behind those words was incredible. Well, you know, this is all about public speaking. I know. Yes, using your voice to make an impact. But our listeners, they want to know how do you do that? How, How do you make that happen? So we're just going to start off in that area. You are a professional speaker, among other things, as I listed in the, in the bio, but how do you immediately get an audience's attention when you give your presentations? And we'll talk about what you speak on and, and some other areas, but I just want to dive in. How do you get everyone's attention and then keep it through a 60-minute, 90-minute presentation? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in starting with heart, right? I think if you start with heart and you start with energy – you're going to captivate people because what they're really looking at in the first couple of minutes of anybody being on stage is, does this person have credibility? Do they have expertise? Do they have relevance? And is there something that I can connect with and relate to? And so at the end of the day, what I'm really good at is people, right? I understand business. I understand philanthropy, community stuff, all those things. But at the end of the day, the common thread between all of it is people. So when you get on stage and you start using your voice, you start telling a story, you got to start with some heart show some vulnerability, show some transparency, show some weakness. And at the end of the day, it draws the crowd right in. And then you have to continue with very thoughtful, strategic, solid content that supports the points that you're trying to make. And at the end of the day, my biggest goal every time I go in is I want to start with heart and connection because if I do that, they're going to be listening. But then I've got to follow through with content quality content because if i'm on stage for an hour if i'm on stage for 90 minutes like you just said and there's not people in that room that walk away with one or two things that are extremely tangible that they can immediately implement into their life then what am i there for the thing i hate the most is when i go and i see a speaker and they seem like they're somewhat captivating there's all these things but you walk away an hour later you don't even remember what they said and the most important thing you have no idea or remember how they made you feel right so if i can move people with how they feel in the room, the wisdom will translate and they're going to take away those tactical, tangible things that they're going to implement in their life and have impact. That's what I'm all about, man. Now, a lot of times we have listeners who have to deliver presentations that are these canned decks that their corporations have handed down to them. How do you put heart into that? How do you bring 
your passion into that? It's a great question. And I don't think that there's a one size fits all answer, but what I would tell you is you do you, right? I think that there's a whole lot of this that takes place when you're in a, when an organization, they've got a canned presentation too often, people just follow the, the script. They follow the script, right? You get a cold call script, you get a presentation, you've got to go do it. It's like, you can it, put some personality into it. You make it yours, right? Because at the end of the day, if you can deliver the content, that's what's most important, but you got to find a way, I don't care what you're doing to connect, right? Any sales presentation, any sales call, any, any business meeting, any conference presentation, if you just tow the script and tow the company line, then that's all you're going to be doing. You're going to be fitting into the mold that's being created for you to fit into, and you're going to be forgotten because you're not going to move people. And I hate to say it as bluntly as that, but too many people depend on the script and don't actually speak from the heart and believe in what they're doing. So if you're in an organization that you don't buy into the message that you're telling, by the way, that's a whole nother conversation. But if you've got to go give a canned presentation on something you don't believe in, you're probably not working at the right place. And so you should probably make a change because if you can't make it you and you don't believe in what you're about to present, I don't, I don't care. I mean, you can literally give this, this is one of those whole things. It's like you can give somebody the, the, the recipe, right? But if you're not the chef that puts the love into the food, people aren't going to consume it the right way. It's the same thing with content. I, you, I almost felt like I was in church. I wanted to give an amen there, <laughs> I, but, but you're spot on. You're spot on. And I know those canned presentations can suck the life out of you. But as you're looking at those slides, as you're thinking about that content, ask yourself, if I was sitting in the audience, if I was listening to this, what would I need to hear? What would I want to just add your own flavor into yeah. it? Just, just, it's okay. Yeah. And actually the company wants you to do that. People People buy from those people they like and trust. They know, like, and trust. They cannot like a canned presentation and a script that you're reading from. Yep. And again, you just reinforce the point I made early on. It's all about people. It's all about the human element, right? So if that's what we focus on first and we lead with that, you're already on a better standing than you would be if you just focused on content first. What is it about public speaking that, drew you in that made you say, yep, I've got to do this? So that's a really great question. So I, I'm actually going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit back into my background because I think this will, this will bring that story more to fruition. Um, first and foremost, I think it probably wouldn't surprise anybody who's watching this, listening to this, even for a moment that I'm not a shy person and never have been. Right. So, I mean, I like popped out of, of my mom and it was one of those deals where it was like, I was, all right, I'm here. This is me. This is the world. And I wasn't shy. Um, I mean, there was people early on that were like, Oh my gosh, this guy's gonna be a politician someday. Cause I just would talk to anybody. So there was, there's a piece of that. That's just, it's who I am. But um, I, I want to tell a personal story here that I think that the group is going to really start to understand how I started to refine how to communicate effectively um, in that forum. Cause you can be loud and obnoxious, but not really make impact. And, and I think there was a big part of my life that that's kind of where I was. I wasn't shy. I got people's attention with the energy, but like, was the content and the heart there? No. Um, so I want everybody to just pause for one second and imagine walking out of a store after a successful shopping trip, walking to your car and turning to see, turning your head to see a truck barreling 40 miles an hour across the parking lot. That's where this story begins. 
I was at the store with my mom and my brother. We went to get a one-inch paintbrush. And again, that excitement and vigor for life translated in this scenario too. I was excited. I was ready to get home and put that one-inch paintbrush to use. So I get to the car a few, few you know, steps ahead of my mom and my brother. I was three or four feet ahead of them. And while I was standing there with my hand on the handle, uh, a truck pulled up in front of the store and the driver and middle passenger got out and the passenger all the way over to the right felt the truck moving backwards. So he moved over to put his foot on the brake, but he instead hit the gas. Combination of shock and force threw him up onto the dash. And before you know it, he was catapulting 40 miles an hour right at us. Went up and over the median, hit the tree in the median, hit our car, ran over me diagonally, tore my spleen, left a tire track scar on my stomach, and continued to completely sever my left arm from my body. Okay? Now, I know a lot of you weren't expecting it to go there today. And yes, I have a very unique story. But what I've learned in all of my time of doing this is what's important is that we pause and become aware of the lessons that we can extract from our stories and then become intentional with how do we apply those into our lives. And we all have the ability to do that and we have the ability to tap into the collective wisdom of our group. So I'm gonna answer your question and then I'm gonna tell you a couple lessons that came from that. For obvious reasons, I wasn't shy, I was loud, and I had a very unique story. From the time I was seven, I was put on stage. I was put on stage to provide perspective, motivation, direction, to raise money for the hospital, to teach people how to use their stories effectively, to be able to help create uh, an, an element of ambassadorship for particularly people with healthcare or who've been impacted by other types of organizations to be able to benefit the organization for the great work that they did. And so that's where I channeled a lot of it. Plus around really mindset and overcoming adversity and helping people who were struggling, right? With their own health journey or own challenges and adversity. I had the ability from very early to get on stages and start refining my craft. And I've always, I've always stayed there. Now, the longer answer to your question is why am I now doing this professionally? Um, about six years ago, I hired my first coach and I hired my first coach because I always said I was going to do everything for my family. And I was multiple years into helping build a business. Um, and I was not slowing down. I was burning a candle at both ends. And I realized very quickly that the first six months with my son was gone. Now, if I provide everything for my family financially, but I'm not there, none of that matters. Right. And so I was at the first time in my life that I wasn't smart enough or had the people in my life to figure out how to solve the problem myself. So I reached out and I interviewed a bunch of coaches. I interviewed 15, frankly, and I won't go into why, uh, but it took me 15 to find somebody that had the credibility and relevance that was going to help push me beyond just like the, I'm hanging my head as a coach systematic approach that a lot of them had. And I found this guy and he pushed me a month into working with me. He said, Brian, you gotta be doing this. I was like, doing what? What are you talking about? He goes, you naturally elevate people. You help people overcome adversity. You help them become more aware and more intentional. You tell stories effectively. Your personal and professional journey combined are things that are story worthy. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm paying you a lot of money not to tell me how great I am, but to help me figure out these other things, not add something else to my plate. So fast forward nine months, he kept trickling it. And it turns out he was right. The world gave me a very big wake up call and it pushed me in this direction. So five years ago, almost to the date, um, I started my coaching and speaking business. Now, I've been running it alongside my insurance business, which we built from basically nothing to over 15 million in revenue in the last 10 years. And it just never had the space to breathe. But the more time I spent coaching, the more time I spent speaking, the more I realized I can have profound impact in people's lives. I can really save somebody's life, change the trajectory of their life, make them believe what's possible, right? And I can do that through a whole variety of ways with tools and systems. But that bug I got five years ago to shift from more just motivational speaking, right? To purely like, how do I create action and impact through my talks 
to get people to turn into the things that are difficult, to do the things that, that they don't want to do, to ultimately drive towards what they want. You know, it was my, my accident that gave me these two other primary lessons that are weaved into everything I touch. It's one, I learned not to get stuck by what had happened to me, but get moved by what I could do with it. And the second, you said early on in my intro, it's I learned to embrace pain to avoid suffering. And I'm happy to unpack that a little bit um, so that the, the listeners know what that means and what some of those examples are. So you let me know when you want me to go into that. But I answered the speaking question. <laughs> yes, you did. But this is all closely tied to speaking where yeah. you, right, I want you to talk about yeah. avoiding the pain or, or dealing with the pain to avoid the struggle. Yep. And yes. Perfect. So I, I think what's interesting, right, like just the natural evolutionary response, we are hardwired at the core, right, with the fight or flight to avoid pain. And everything in the world, right, like we've got pain medications, we've got like all these things, the world tells us to reduce, eliminate, or avoid pain. I'm telling you the world is wrong. I'm telling you, point blank, the world is wrong. What we need to do is not put ourselves into unnecessary amounts of pain, but identify the types of pains that are going to advance us towards where we need to go, and we need to embrace pain to avoid suffering and gain freedom. So a couple of examples of this, right? We can embrace the pain of hitting the gym every day to avoid the aches and pains and the suffering of a sedentary lifestyle. We can embrace the pain of, you know, having a difficult conversation with our spouse to avoid, right, the suffering of a loveless marriage that might end up in divorce or the alternative, avoiding staying in a marriage that you don't want to be or you're not supposed to be in and you suffer because you don't actually take the actions necessary to embrace the pain of a divorce, right? For speakers and people who are looking how to get on stage, you can embrace the pain of putting yourself in an audience even though you're terrified to avoid the suffering of never knowing what you could do in terms of your impact. You can embrace the pain of going and refining your skills, hiring someone like you, a speaking coach, to help refine and craft the words, the messages, to make ourselves better, to avoid the suffering of not ever actually having the words or the timing or the delivery to be able to connect with the audience in a way that's going to move them, right? You can apply this literally in everything in your lives, right? I'll give one more example because it's real. You and I both have kids about the same age, right? We can, we can embrace the pain of having our kids put down their mobile devices at the dinner table, right? To avoid the suffering of years of lost conversation that we're never going to get back, right? And so what this concept is about is, again, not putting ourselves in unnecessary pain, but identifying the crucial pains to drive us towards where we want. Embrace pain to avoid suffering. So everybody, we're going to add marriage counselor to his resume as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, I have to write this one down. I had to write this one down. Embrace the pain and the fear of getting on a stage to avoid the possibility of never knowing the impact you yep. could bring an audience. Everybody, if you are listening, I need you to just zone in on that one. Zone in on that one. And the Everybody, last piece, Bridget, that the concept is embrace pain to avoid suffering, but the piece I didn't acknowledge is when you do that, you gain freedom. There, mic drop, right? There's, there's nothing left to say. There's nothing left to say. Everybody has a story. And sometimes you feel like your story is not significant. It's not worth sharing. Nobody wants to hear it. Where's, what's the lesson in it? What's the bright light in it? Yeah. Do you have a quick and easy strategy for people who feel like, well, yeah, yeah, we all have a story, but do you have just some small 
I don't know, tip that you can give people to help them figure out how do you put your story out there or use your story in a way or how do you, maybe I, how do I put this? How do you find the impact of your story? Yeah, so I think a lot of people minimize it because they just like look at it and it's like, well, it's just my life. It's like what I've done. But yes. I, I, think the tip, I think the tip is to, first of all, just get that thought process out of your mind because we all have our own unique stories that are relatable to others. So you have to kind of start by just shifting your mindset, but then to tactically go about how do I uncover what are those stories that matter? I'm a big belief and it's not a surprise given the, the primary lesson, right? That we just talked about embrace pain. I would look at those moments of most profound growth in your life. And I guarantee you there is going to be some hardship, some resilience, some mental toughness, some emotional toughness, some journey, some element of discomfort and pain that puts you into that place that caused the growth. Rarely do the massive growth moments come when everything's easy. And so I would really look at like, hey, okay, what are some of the most profound philosophies that I have in my life? What are some of the most profound growth moments that I've had in my life? And what are the underpinnings of the story that led to that, right? I mean, you shared your personal story with me a long time ago, right? And I'm not going to share it for you in this format, but when you talked to me about your story and early on, I mean, this was what, four or five years ago, right? At that time, to my knowledge, you weren't even using that story on stage. But when you first used that story on stage, I remember you reaching out to me and being like, dude, the impact was mind blowing because it's about the connection. And we often think like, well, it's just my story. It's life. But what it is is relatable and it connects to the human element. And so I would just challenge people, those deepest, darkest, craziest moments in your life that one, you might be ashamed of, or two, you don't think are really relevant. I guarantee you they are. So extract the lessons from those stories and find a way to tell it in a way that can teach someone else. So they might not have to burden the same pain you did. So, so huge. And I distinctly remember you challenged me. I had a, a keynote coming up. I think you and I met maybe on a Thursday at Barnes and Noble. I had a, I was flying out to the East coast that Monday for a presentation that Tuesday. And you challenged me yep. to put a piece of my personal story in the presentation. I'm like, I cringe, but I did it. And you're right. I was like, Oh my gosh, I think I may have been texting you from the airport yeah, or in the Uber. Were. I did it, Brian, and you were right. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, I didn't bring that up to say that I was right, but I think it's just interesting because it's like the world tells us all these things that we should do, right? And so, you know, traditional presentations are like, oh yeah, no, keep it business, keep it formal, keep it all these things. But again, I would throw all of that out, and I don't in any way mean to say that flippantly, but I would throw all of that out for a real discussion. Because that's what it's about. Yes, yes, and yes. I don't know if I should ask you this question, but I am. Do you ever get nervous as a speaker? Oh, every time. Every time. Okay, so how do you manage the nerves? One, what's that all about? Because I am sure listeners and viewers will say, what, huh, Brian, nervous, <laughs> no way. What every happens time. and how do yeah. you how do, you, yeah, how do you manage the nerves? Is there a secret? What you got? So there's, there's, uh, so I know it's, again, it's going to actually fall right into what I had said before. Like it's one of those things that like, you just need to embrace the pain for the moment and push through. And I learned that over time, but it's really two things. One, I am very, very intentional about 
uh, breathing exercises before I actually enter into the place that I'm going into because there it's been scientifically proven the four in four out it is uh, and if you can do that four in four out breathing mechanism for a minimum of two minutes max like the ideal time frame is about four if you can do that it is the singular greatest thing in controlling the human stress response next to Valium the Navy wow. SEALs use this technique before they enter into battle right like it is very much about calming the body, calming the mind, calming the heart rate, calming the breathing. It's just getting that in control. So that's not something I used to do. It's something I've done over the last few years and it is world changing. So if everybody takes nothing else from this other than that tactical application, just focus on breathing and do some research on the four in, four out the box method around breathing. It's absolutely profound. Um, but second, it's literally embracing the pain to just start talking. For me, I, every time I get a parched mouth, I get a, a pit in my stomach, every time, the first five minutes right before I walk on stage, what I've realized though, is within 60 seconds, typically within 30, after I get the first sentence or two out of my mouth, they're gone. For me, that's not to suggest that they'll be gone for everybody else that quickly. They didn't used to be gone that quickly. That's where they're at right now. But the reality of it is, is for me, within 30 to 60 seconds, I'm on the other side of that fear and all the greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. So it's embracing the pain of just starting to talk, knowing that I might stumble one of my first words, if I'm not careful, knowing that if I overly paste it or slow down too much, or, you know, I focus too much on the dryness in my mouth that I might get a thick tongue and not be able to say something. So I just literally focus in that moment on, I need to get through the next 30 to 60 seconds and everything else will flow. And if you're prepared, it will flow. This is something that's really important, I think, for listeners to know. Having those nerves before you speak is actually a good thing because it signals that you care. It's yeah, simple. that's good. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right? Because if you just stroll out there, who cares? Let's just wing it. Let's just yeah. pull something out of, right? Then you don't have the nerves. You're right. So when you do You're exactly have, right. The nerves, it means, like you said, I'm worried about stumbling over a word. Am I going to focus on the dryness of my mouth? You're worried about making sure that you yeah. give your audience a great experience when you That's have right. nerves. Because for me, I measure all of everything I do through impact, right? Yes. And if I, if I fail, I don't have impact. So it's not about me looking good. It's not about me, like, you know, getting a great applause. Like, those are indications that I had impact, Right. But to me, the, the key performance indicator is impact, which, by the way, I hadn't thought about it and say the, the way that you just said it, but because I care about impact, it's because I care, right? And so every time I get nerves because what if, what if I don't have impact, right? I want to make sure I'm delivering value for the organization that's spending the money to bring me in. I want to make sure that I'm delivering value to the people who are investing their time to be there to listen to me, right? And it's easy sometimes as a speaker to be like, well, why do they want to listen to me, right? And then you get further nervous about it. And it's like, if you just focus on impact, and human connection and human like the human element, you can get through it. Right, right. And, and sometimes people mistake the nervousness and, and want to call themselves horrible speakers because they have this nervousness and that couldn't be 
further from the truth. This means that you are yep. really concerned about making sure that this is a great performance. Now, when nervousness becomes a problem is when it turns into anxiety. Anxiety yeah. is that physical manifestation of the nerves, the sweaty palms, oh, yeah. the racing heart, the knocking knees, and so on. Now, that can be problematic, but that's a whole other story. I, I firmly believe in the breathing, as you were indicating, and just yeah. focusing in the moment and focusing on making sure this is a great experience for your audience. Okay. Now, here's my next question. Because it's obvious you are a dynamite speaker. You are fantastic at what you do. How do you stay on top of your game? How do you keep your speaking skills polished? Um, daily practice, uh, legitimately. I mean, I'm constantly, I'm a student of my industry. And, and I mean that in both ways. One, in terms of content, right? So, uh, not all the greatest things that I deliver are my idea. In fact, a lot of them I've learned from other people. Um, and so, or through practice and my own stories. And so it's consistently looking to hone my own craft, make sure I know my content, because if I know my content, I can have a little more liberty to not follow a script and deliver the same impact with the way I want to naturally show up because that I operate better, not, you know, following an exact script, but following a outline. Right. So if I've got that outline, I can ebb and flow and adjust to my audience. The other thing I do is I study other speakers. I literally look at other speakers. I watch their videos. I watch, I mean, I'm on Goalcast and like all those motivational talks. I watch the top 50 speakers constantly every single week because I pick up on things that they do a nuance in delivery, a new technique, something that I might already do, but I can shift a little bit better because I see how the audience responds. Um, the other thing I do is the last year I have hired a videographer for every single talk I've done. And so I get to see myself, but I also make sure that they have two cameras and I put on a camera on the audience. So then when I'm actually reflecting on myself, I'm not just paying attention to how did my, I deliver this? Was I happy with it? What I'm actually looking at is did the audience respond to the words that I chose? Did they respond to a cadence and how I delivered that message. Did they respond to my energy? Was it my body language that they responded to? And I can literally dissect it so that I can be super aware and super intentional to continue to hone my craft. And oh, by the way, you say I'm a dynamite speaker. I've got light years to go to get to where I want to be. It's a daily practice, but as is the case with anything, right? If the purpose is big enough, it overtakes that pain and it makes it easy to embrace that pain of putting in the work to make sure that I'm honing my craft. So, you know, my purpose is to have impact. And I know it's gonna sound crazy and audacious, but I wanna impact a billion people in my life. I can't do that unless I am constantly improving. And I'll clarify too, those billion people are not gonna be one-to-one. -one. Those billion people are not gonna 100% touch me, right? Those billion people are gonna be through a story or a lesson that you took from me and you applied in your life that has a ripple effect. It's gonna be people listening to podcasts like this. It's gonna be people in audiences. It's gonna be people that I coach. It's going to be businesses that I consult with and the ripple effect of those. And I will never be able to measure that. But if I focus on that, that's what I'm chasing. Because I believe I can provide perspective, motivation, and direction to all of those around me. So I have to put in the work so I can be the best version of myself to deliver that. What kinds of topics do you speak on where you're giving that perspective and that motivation yeah. to those those billions, not just one billion. I see you impacting billions. Oh, thank you, Bridget. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see one day at a time. Um, 
So, uh, you know, the, 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 one of my signature talks, one of the most requested is around this topic of embrace pain to avoid suffering. And so, you know, it's really around how choosing to embrace pain helps us avoid suffering and gain freedom in our life. Um, I also give uh, conversations on the importance of planning and understanding. I also give talks on cultivating meaningful relationships and the human element in everything that we do. Um, I also give a lot of talks and probably my second most requested talk is around self-awareness and closing the self-awareness gap for leaders and as individuals. Um, and then really just choices. So those are the typical topics that I focus on. Um, but I am also not the type that just 100% like has the exact same canned talk for every organization that I talk to. So I am very intentional to not just um, get hired and go give a talk that I've given 50 different times in the exact same words and the exact same cadence. I try to spend the time so that I customize each one of those topics to the audience and make sure that we're getting that additional value so that some of the examples I gave you right around brace pain, avoid suffering, I'm using real customer language for whoever's in that audience in a way that it's very relatable to them outside of just the normal human stuff. And for each one of my topics, uh, I typically take that approach. Um, so those are typically some of the things that I do, but you know, I've got a, I've got a YouTube channel and I've got this series called Bogart's bullets and there's 50, 54 episodes now. And what you'll see is they're three minute topical videos on a whole variety of things. And so I believe I have the ability to pivot and add value on a variety of things, but those, that short list I gave you is my most requested topics. I love your topics. I, you know, I could sit and listen and talk to you all day long, listen more than I talk actually, because you always just bring it. You, I, I learn something from you every single time, whether it's a new book I need to add to my shelf, whether it's a new piece of office equipment that I need to add. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're so, so incredible. Well, listen, I know that the audience would absolutely love to learn more about you, would want to be in touch with you because you're just so inspirational and you have so, so much knowledge and wisdom. How can we get in touch with you outside of the show? Yep. So the easiest place is my website and it's literally brianbogert.com. I always spell the last name because most people don't know. It's Brian with an I and then Bogert's B-O-G-E-R-T. Um, I have so many people that will end up typing Bogart, B-O-G-A-R-T, and they get sent to the wrong place. So B-O-G-E-R-T, brianbogart.com. Uh, all my social stuff is on there. My YouTube channel is connected on there. All my speaker and coaching information is on there. Um, but for the people that are listening, I actually do have a free resource for everyone as well. So around this topic of embrace pain, uh, avoid suffering, gain freedom, right? There's some basic tenets really around clarity and intrinsic work that help people understand, right? Like what's the direction that I'm going to head and how do I acknowledge the suffering I wish to avoid, which really is the counter to what are the things I want to accomplish in my life? Um, and then really identifying what are the pains that I need to embrace on a daily basis? And then how do I establish this as a habit in everything I do so that I can really turn into this uh, 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 holistically? So whether people are you know, well on their way to becoming their most authentic selves and have complete clarity, whether they're stuck and have no idea where to start or they're somewhere in the middle, like this resource will be valuable to them. So you can go to nolimitsprelude.com and it's gonna be a download that will be um, basically the last couple of pages of the entire playbook I use in my one-to-one -one coaching. Um, and it's gonna really give you a roadmap for like, what are the things I need to be thinking about and considering and go from there. So this, this will add value to everybody listening today. Is there anything else that you would tell them in terms of how do you step up, step out with confidence, with fierceness to own the microphone? Yeah, so uh, you know, I think we, we touched on it loosely, but I'll just hit it very directly. 
Um, I think that the thing that keeps most people from taking action is fear, right? Fear that they're not good enough, fear that they don't have enough to offer, fear that their stories aren't relevant, fear of being in front of an audience, whatever you call it. The biggest thing that keeps people from taking action in multiple areas in life, but owning the microphone and getting on stage, which is so compelling and almost nothing more rewarding when you can touch many in, in a singular message, um, it's fear. And so I'm going to, I typically have always just taken the approach of like, again, embrace the pain and move through it. But I read a book not that long ago that I think will be helpful for people. And it was called, um, and it was by Dr. Susan Jeffers. And it's a book titled, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I think that's one of the ones I'd recommended to you a little while back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to butcher it, but she essentially <laughs> outlines that there's three levels of fear. And the, you know, one of them is like external stuff, stuff that we can't control, other things are internal things like our emotions, our thoughts. But the last one, the most basic premise of all fear is the question, can I handle it? And she outlines that if you knew you could handle anything in life, if you knew that you were going to be okay no matter what, you were going to be fine, you're going to stand on your own two feet, you're going to continue to move forward, what is there to be afraid of? So what she challenges us to do is not just shut down fear, but feel, feel it, recognize it, become aware of it, then become intentional with how we move through it. Right. And again, I said earlier, it's like all the greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. We start to recognize that like fear can keep us back. I've used this with my kids with roller coasters who are terrified. I'm like, just get past that first 30 seconds and you're going to love the ride. And every single time they do. Right. Like, but fear keeps us from taking action. So if you want to own the microphone, become aware of what's keeping you from getting on stage, pay attention to it, become aware of it unpack it and then become intentional with the things you can do to move through that. So if you need to go to Toastmasters, you need to hire a speaking coach, you need to hire an executive coach to help you get your confidence. You need to hire whoever to help you progress on that journey. Take the action to do those things to get yourself ready to get on stage. That's it. I want everybody to just take action and move through the things that are, are holding them back in their life. If everybody does that, this world will be a beautiful place. You heard it. You heard it here. Brian Bogert. Take action. Do not stay stuck. Move, people. Move. Brian, I thank you so very much. <laughs> My friend, I am very grateful. And you continue to put all the good in the world that you are. And again, you and I are going to do a lot of things for a lot of years. I learned something from you every single time. So the honor was all mine. Thank you, my friend. 